I'm Christos Gage, writer of Superior Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and Spider Island, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Giannacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. I know we've been off for a little bit. Um, I was at a convention all weekend last weekend hawking my new comic that I'm producing. More on that later. So thank you for bearing with us, uh, Mark how sad was it for you to not have an episode last week? I, I, I felt a little restless and lonely um, when when I determined when it was determined that we would not be recording. But I powered through, Dan. I powered through with with the power of Netflix and like doing other crap on my on my evening. All right, that sounds good enough. All right, well, thanks everybody for joining us for what is our fifth and final episode of our coverage of Amazing Spider-Man: Dead No More: The Clone Conspiracy. I guess if you exclude the Omega issue, uh, we hope we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, Dan, and because we missed a week, uh, we, we got like a double-sized episode of of Amazing Spider Talk. It's, you can maybe we can charge nine ninety nine for it, like uh, <laughs> upcoming issues of Amazing Spider Man, yeah. uh, because we'll be discussing not one but two comics. The first one being Amazing Spider Man: Dead No More, Clone Conspiracy Number Five by Dan Slott and Jim Chung. And then, uh, you know, we'll have some interlude with prizes and emails. And then we're going to close everything out by discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 4, Number 24. That's by Slott, Christos Gage, Giuseppe Comancoli. Uh, I guess that's kind of the epilogue epi- issue of Dead No More, Clone Conspiracy, whatever you feel like calling the the storyline. I feel like I call it like eight different things in my reviews on the site, Dan. So I, I, I'm sure as an editor, you, you, you love the consistency on my part. It, it has been a bit of a head scratcher. I've often reread sentences three times to figure out which version of the title needs to be in the sentence. Uh, but, <laughs> but there you go. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think this issue of Amazing Spider-Man might be Camo's final issue on the book. Yeah, I mean Stuart Immerman Immerman <laughs> is coming on, but um, yeah, there, there didn't seem to, it wasn't like Camo was retired per se, but I mean we're gonna see, have to see what happens to these books in a few months, Dan. I think I think there's a lot of questions that haven't exactly been addressed yet. But, yeah, I uh, mean I, I don't know if you've seen it, but Camo has really gone hard into you know Batman stuff. He's got a, an all-star Batman issue coming out soon, and uh, oh, cool. I feel like some part of me willed that into existence, because I'd always said he would make a great Batman artist, and then suddenly he's, he's doing all these Batman books. But you know what? I'm a comics editor now, so you know, uh, maybe that's because I have my finger on the pulse here. There you go, Dan. That way to way to plug all of your your wonderful talents. Uh, uh, <laughs> let me just tell you more about myself. Uh, uh, there you go. 
Yeah, right. Here we go. This is the new. This is the new interlude to the uh, episode. Oh well. Anyway, uh, let's get into our discussion of Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man: The Clone Conspiracy, Dead No More, or vice versa. Switch that around. Number five. What's Alrighty, Dan. So, uh, Clone Conspiracy number five, we, we, I guess, you know, kind of functions as the final chapter of sorts for this very long running arc that started. Well, you know, I guess. But if you forget the last two chapters. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The, The two chapters to follow. But, um, you know, I treated this like the last chapter. Um, the way the comic was written, I mean, they really, you know, they try and, close things out in terms of the main narrative about the, the carry-on virus invasion and how that's affecting Peter and Parker Industries and Kane and Spider-Gwen and everyone else. Um, so by all intents and purposes, it's a final chapter. Um, certainly the last few major storylines um, that Slot has written, thinking in terms of Spider-Verse and Goblin Nation uh, and Ends of the Earth, the final chapters have kind of ended on a bit of a, of a flat note um, I, I'm not going to say I was in love with this comic, but I, I do feel that this was a better ending, uh, for a slot story than what we've gotten over the last couple of years. I mean, are you, are you willing to give it that kind of a platitude, Dan? I'm willing to give it that kind of a platitude. Um, I think it, it wraps up most of the storyline in a compelling Almost somewhat compelling way, and it gives Spider-Man an actual beat. You know that that has a, it's a decision for him to make. I don't think it's given enough um, attention in this issue, but uh, like it, as a story, it wraps up in a way that seems na- somewhat natural to what preceded it. Yeah, I mean, it's still mostly abrupt, which is what you probably could say about certainly like Goblin Nation and Spider-Verse, where like, you know, there's all this build and you spend months and months and months building up a storyline and then like certain things just kind of end um, or certain character stories just kind of end. But I guess what what has what makes me view this in a somewhat more positive light than those other stories is, uh, you know, in, in between this kind of imminent urgency that kind of tied in from the last issue with the virus and like, you know, people are, are starting to decay and it's like, you know, like this really like big end of the world kind of scenario is that I feel like a number of characters got some surprisingly very strong moments of resolution, whether it be characters that were really only a part of this story or Peter himself. Um, and I appreciated that. I, I felt like, okay, hey, you know, we're not just paying off the story, but we're actually paying off the arc of some of these characters, which is something that you could not say about some of the other storylines we've gotten. I completely agree with that. I think Gwen and her father have a have nice exits from the story, um, even if they were only in it briefly. Um, and I, I still, I think there's a lot um, in the story that um, was promised that. It wasn't necessarily lived up to, uh, specifically mm. the, the that Ron Friend's backup story um, with Gwen. I, I think there was so much potential for that story. And while I like Gwen's ending within this issue as a larger story on a whole, I think there are a number of character journeys that I would have liked to see more with. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like I said, there were some uh, there was some abruptness to it, and um, certainly some things weren't paid off as well as they could. But you know, not that we're picking nits and say, saying that, but you know, I mean, maybe maybe we're just grading on a curve instead. You know, <laughs> like like sure. yeah, but but you know. I mean, Gwen's Gwen's moment in particular was very, I, I felt shockingly good in terms of giving her some some agency and, and giving giving her a resol- her, giving her arc a resolution, even if even if the, the path of her arc felt incomplete, if that makes sense. And I liked Otto's end as well, if, if we were to perceive this as the end within this issue. And we'll talk about what happens in the next issue with, with him. But within yes. the pages of this book, I thought, you know, with his romance to Anna Maria and how that kind of turns him to, against Ben. Um, I mean, I think we were all expecting that to happen at some point. But I thought the way that that was handled was pretty um, elegant. I liked his uh, melt with me moment. Uh, I thought that was a cool line. Yes. Um, no, Otto, Otto, again, you know, outside of really that one issue where we were kind of just recapping his his resurrection, you know, is one of the most consistently well-written characters in 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 the modern Spider-Man library, I would say. And this was no different. Um, you know, it's a shame that he kind of had to share those moments with what might be one of the worst drawn characters uh and by drawn i mean you know in terms of characterization not necessarily the illustration i thought jim jim chung's art was very good throughout both this issue and mainly the series itself um but but ben riley is just a mess and we'll get to that in a little more detail in a second um but um and you meant, you alluded to Captain Stacy earlier too, and him kind of having some closure. And I, I, I really, I thought this was a very elegant moment too, since that was a word that you used to describe Otto's arc. Um, you know, Captain Stacy, kind of alluding to the fact that you know, with Gwen, when when all hell is breaking loose, and and you know, Ben Riley has more or less set this, you know, death sentence to the world out into out into the you know into the atmosphere. Um, you know, Captain Stacy acknowledges that we might've been on the wrong side of history or not. We might've, we were on the wrong side of history here. Um, which just seems like something Stanley's Captain Stacy would say. Uh, and then in kind of a moment that echoes, uh, George Stacy's death the first time around in amazing Spider-Man number 90, he tells Gwen to look after Peter, which was, you know, the other way around. Um, in Amazing Spider-Man 90, and I liked kind of the 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 reflection of that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, uh, taking that and can, and going back to Gwen, um, I really liked her story here, but I, I did find it somewhat odd. You know, the kind of um, jarring like uh, uh, differences between Peter's attitude towards Gwen in this issue and the issue prior, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, where the whole issue is about Peter refusing to accept Gwen as the real Gwen. And here he almost immediately just says, there's only one Gwen Stacy and I'd know her anywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, what happened to all the development that was a whole issue was spent on? Um, and it's like one of those things, like, I, I wonder if there's a, a miscommunication between 
gauge and slot and how slot pitches stories and then what he ends up doing with them, which we can talk about in Amazing Spider-Man 24 because I think that issue really showcases this kind of um, disconnect. Yeah, this disconnect between how two different writers working together portray the same character. Um, And yeah, I just thought it was odd that after I had spent so much time saying I liked that Peter like kind of refused to accept Gwen that here that conversation seems to as though it has never happened. Yeah. Although, I mean, I guess to counter, if you will, I mean, like I almost like, I feel that the, the conversation in this issue between Peter and Gwen is almost like tertiary to what's actually going on with Gwen's character here, which is Gwen kind of for the first time in her fictional existence, taking a stand for herself. Um, and I, I, you know, so it's kind of like, it's a poor, it's, it's, it's poor narrative construction in in terms of its consistency, but I'm almost willing to overlook it because it's such a fleeting moment in this issue. If that makes sense, you know, like it's just, well, they're literally fleeting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not meant to last and it's almost meant to kind of like, I don't know. It's 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 it feels like a throwaway moment. It, it's it's more about I mean, to me, the more crucial moment in terms of Gwen's arc here is her seeing, you know, Earth six five Gwen, you know, kicking butt as spider Gwen or spider woman and Gwen being like, wait, she's got powers here, you know, and it's like, I, you know, and to me, like, that was kind of like the light bulb aha moment for, for the character. And then, you know, where she decides, you know, I need to take a stand too. If, if this is what another version of me can do, I'm, I'm done being the damsel in distress. And I liked that, that, that juxtaposition. And that image of her with the pumpkin bomb standing up to the three goblins is really great. Um, right. Which is just to assume what Jason Massendale, Bart Hamilton, and then who else? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. <laughs> Is it Daniel Kingsley? Oh, there you go. maybe. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Know. So many goblins. Too too many goblins. Um, well, speaking of that moment with uh, Spider Gwen, um, we talked about this in a previous issue where, you know, ASM 23, where they both laugh about. Uh, like Spider Gwen being a drummer or whatever, and here, like Spider Man's just like, yeah, but you're the only, you know, you're the real Gwen kind of thing. Um, do, do you get the sense that Slot is like throwing some weird shade towards the Spider Gwen character and and book? Um, I mean, there's kind of been some barbs traded back and forth in Spider Gwen. There's times where they kind of make fun of CEO Peter. Do you see this kind of as like a friendly kind of like a, a, a ribbing or? I mean, I would think it's if I mean, you know, from all descriptions that we've ever had of Dan Slot from the people who've worked with him. I mean, like he always just seems to be kind of like the consummate team player. So I can't imagine anything being done would be tinged with anything other than than jovial prodding. If, right, you know. right. I'm just trying to see if, like, I, 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 if I'm reading into it, I read this kind of like mocking, like, like, like friendly mocking attitude between, you know, Slot and Latour. You know, like just kind of poking each other in a fun way. 
Yeah, I mean, because I mean, certainly, like Slot's original concept for for Spider versus Gwen was radically different than what Latour and Robbie Rodriguez ended up running with. So, I mean, I don't think he kind of considered it as like this spider punk, um, you know, millennial. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was, right. I mean, he, he wanted her to wear the trench coat and the go-go boots, I think, with a spider web on it. Wasn't that kind of like his costume idea for her or something like that? Like I, think, the, I think so. What, whatever ended up in Renew Your Vows now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, what do you, so what do you think? Is Gwen alive or dead? We get no body, which, you know, is about as much of a sign that they didn't die in comics as, as there can be. Yeah, I mean, there is no body, and and Slot had made some comments and in interviews following the publication of this issue, where you know, not just referring to Gwen, but to others, that you know, this this storyline kind of resets the the who's alive and who's not in the Spider Verse right now, which you know, to me, kind of signifies like, oh yay. We can finally tell those those unwritten Bart Hamilton stories and tarantula stories, and <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get some more massacre, maybe. <laughs> I mean, like, are the I mean, the next couple of years of this title just going to be a checklist of like who survived and who didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe this Omega episode, uh, issue is going to have more more input on that, but you know. Slot has always kind of made a joke about what was it, Ox from the uh, from the Enforcers? Like, you know, I killed Ox, so Ox is dead. But I guess Ox isn't dead anymore, right? I mean, he was part of the 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 crew at um, what was the name of Riley's little paradise? Um, yeah, his, yeah, um, Haven. Haven. But so. but he was also in uh, uh, Spider-Man Deadpool, where he was murdered again. That's true. So uh, poor Ox, poor Ox. <laughs> Um, poor and poor, poor enforcers. Uh, well, that gets that gets to one of my bigger problems with I think this story and clone conspiracy as a whole. I mean, now that we're at the end, we can kind of look at this thing as an you know an entity, I guess. Um, and this it's like so many other Dan Slott stories. It's just how muddled he makes the rules of his stories are inconsistent too, you know, like even in superior, you know, we had his mind being wiped and then suddenly, you know, he had the barren waste of his mind, but then he was suddenly able to conjure forth all of his memories. It seems to kind of fluctuate based on whatever story he wants to write. And this story is some of that weird stuff too. Like I don't really truly understand the mechanics of the cloning process. Like, First of all, I still don't really get what makes these clones different than the other clones. Like, I guess they're born with their memories, or the other ones had to be coached to have their memories. Um, yeah, well, I think that's it. It's 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 that you know the I guess the structure is that because these are reanimated corpses or whatever you want to call it. I mean, you know that all of their memories, their memories are their memories. Whereas I, my understanding with clones with the, with like clones from the clone saga in the nineties was that, you know, the memories you were born, the memories that you have upon your birth are, are your memories. Like there's no, but even in this issue, he goes against that at the end where it is revealed that like the prowler and Jerry and all these other people never died. They were, they're still alive. Yeah. Well that's, Yeah. Well, that <laughs> you're jumping ahead to a big to a big roadblock here, but uh, <laughs> I, I just say there's so many things like this that just make me scratch my head and go, 
what? I thought I had an understanding of how this works. And, and, and then we'll get into that even with Ben Riley in ASM 24, you know, with his reliance on pills and such. Like, uh, I, I like even at the final moments of this story, I'm grasping with how this works. And in issue five, I should not be grasping with how these things work. Yeah, it's 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 wildly inconsistent, and like you said, it goes it goes and and that and that if anything is probably, um, you know, in the in the laundry list of some problems I've had with this with this series and this comic is probably the biggest. It's it's like you said, you, you got if you, you have to have rules, and and Dan Slot kind of has demonstrated over the years that he likes he likes he likes to rely on a set of rules when he can kind of use it to to fight back against criticism but like at the end of the day he he also doesn't like being overly constrained by certain rules <laughs> you know like yeah <laughs> it's like well no I can't you know if someone's criticizing a direction of a story like oh you should have gone there he will no you can't do that because of the rules the rules but you know but if someone is like wait how could you do that because I thought it was this it was like oh, I didn't say that <laughs> but, but e- e- in this case even just like on like a fundamental level so like they say like Jerry is back and he's going to be dying again you know because like his he still has his like whatever organ failure you know, right. so then Peter is right back in the position he was six, you know, issues ago before he made a deal with the devil. But like the prowler was legitimately fried, you know, like so we're just meant to believe he wasn't dead. He was just whatever, you know, like right. uh, I, I mean, maybe, yeah, that, maybe that's a result of his book being canceled or whatever. But like, <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, prowler, prowler certainly seemed as dead as could be. In this storyline, right, I mean, so like, cue, like, cue like, the return of Max Dillon, I guess, um, which I wouldn't mind because not for nothing. Like, like, I, I mean, I know Max Dillon is kind of a tired old villain, but I, 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 when I think of Electro, I think of Max. I don't really think of this new Electro. You know what I mean? Like, I generally find second iterations of villains are never as good as the first. You know, we kind of saw that with other Mysterios and other vultures and, and other, other, Doc you know, Ox. other Doc Ox. I mean, you know, like, can't forget lady octopus, lady Ock, Carolyn trainer, right? Yep. Seward Seward. The, the one that the, the, the tryout for the B book review, that was so great. You didn't even put him in the countdown, Dan, <laughs> or in the poll. <laughs> well, you think that he, he was going to win. Yeah. Well, you know, because people wanted to hear Professor Frick, because because people voted for a Nazi B, Dan. <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> Who is to say? I do want to just to kind of go back a little bit here. I did want to. Um, can we t- spend a little more time talking about Ben? Uh, <laughs> and we'll talk about Ben some more uh, next week yeah, too. We're going to talk but, a lot like, about Ben. I mean, so I guess maybe we'll keep it briefer here since we'll we'll save some of our ammo for ASM twenty four. But I mean, like just again. What a, it, this has there been a more disastrous resurrection? Uh, literally, my notes for this were: Has there been a character assassin, assassination done this sloppily? Like, like if you're gonna destroy a character, like this isn't even like destroying him with like a clear plan in mind. Right. I mean, you know, and he disappears in this issue and kind of playing in that there is no body. And this obviously does get answered next issue. But um, I mean, you knew he wasn't gone for good, but like there was, you know, the big question upon reading 
Clone Conspiracy 5, but not ASM 24 that came into my mind is like, how in the world are we getting from this story to his own solo series where he's arguably the hero or the anti-hero even, but still the, the protagonist of his own book. And certainly on the merits of this issue individually, there was no redemption. This character is just like a hackneyed mustache twirling villain going down in flames. Right. I mean, there was nothing, there was nothing nuanced about this character's arc in this issue. Right. I agree with you, and you're busy looking forward, but I'm still looking back to, you know, the issue where it revealed his new origin, I guess, as a as a villain or whatever. But, like, again, it's like there was some disconnect between who wrote that issue and who wrote these issues because this is not the same character. And, and I think this story would have been a lot stronger if it had been that character that appeared in Amazing Spider-Man, this this guy who is still a hero and and by a large segment of the readers could still be seen as a hero you know he's trying to cure death you know he's trying to take the sins of the jackal and rewrite them into something positive right. um no matter how twisted that might be and i mean i think you could certainly like there's certainly a version of this story where instead of fighting ben riley with Dr. Octopus, Peter stopped the fight and was like, hey, Ben, we figured out this frequency thing. We can literally cure death now. Like, all you have to do is bring people back, and I'll apply this frequency to them, and they'll be fine. You know? Right. Uh, of course, that doesn't cross our characters' minds. So there's a version of this where Ben is like a twisted hero, but Dan Slott's version is clearly not that character. Yeah. No, I, it's it's kind of boggles the mind what what the actual objective for this character is outside of new books and like you know the clone saga is popular again so let's take advantage of that. Um, and I he literally go- he literally is a murderer in this issue because he tells Electro to go murder Gwen. Yes, um, I uh, before we I don't mean to be racing around with this comic, but you know we are tackling a lot of topics today, but I, yeah. I don't want to neglect Peter's arc in this story too, because uh, again, kind of going back to things that I liked, I liked, um, I liked his resolution to the, to the carry on virus here. And I felt that it came, it, it felt very true to old school Spider-Man in that it was kind of impulsive and might've even been a little reckless, but the, but the same token, it came at great sacrifice and it came for the greater good. And, you know, like there definitely seemed to be I, I don't know if I was overreading this, Dan, but by like kind of like, you know, sending out these signals with his part with his um, webware, you know, it, it came with risk to his company and to his well-being. I mean, there was that line in there where like, you know, this could blow these phones up. And he was like, just do it. And, you know, and that also seems to be kind of hinting that maybe things about Parker's industry, Parker Industries going downhill in the near future. But um, I liked I liked the sacrifice that came with the solution here. Um, that seemed very true to Spider-Man. You? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think it I think it was a good beat for him. I wish there was more um, like belaboring that point, like the, more to build up to that decision. You know, what yeah. I mean? he kind of just makes it in a panel and. That's it. It feels like 
it's a plot beat that Slot had, and and I wish yeah. there was more emotion to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it was trying. It, it probably was trying to reflect the the chaotic and freneticness of of the moment. But yeah, I mean, this, you know, you could still have chaos and give it some oomph and let it evolve a little bit over the, you know, I granted, granted it's the greatest, greatest moment in Spider-Man history, but I always think back to the, you know, lifting the steel over the head. I was just going to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's done across what three pages. I mean, you know, like it's, it has plenty of gravitas, but that's again, why it's the greatest moment in Spider-Man history. So, right, right, right. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) You know, just only to compare it to that. That's totally fair. Right. But, but, you know, I mean, okay. And like, even take a look at like, um, nothing can stop the juggernaut, which is certainly like a chaotic impulsive. I have a second to spare and I just got to think fast when he like tackles the juggernaut covers his eyes and stuff like that, that gets, it's, uh, that gets time to grow and to breathe. And, and, um, you know, that's only what the second greatest Spider-Man moment. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, I, I uh, the, another way to see this is like if there was an emotional attachment to it, you know, like by yes. sending this signal out, like he would have to watch like, you know, Gwen die or something, you know, like I, I, I don't know what it would be. But like, you know, imag- I imagine like what if the hobgoblins all had webwares and Gwen didn't, you know, and by right. pressing this button, he's saving a bunch of people. But he's also restoring a bunch of villains who kill his girlfriend all over again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a way to tie an emotional connection to to that decision. Or even I mean even if it's not like a trade-off, but yeah, I mean like there really wasn't a beat paid to the fact that you know, he's saving his villains. I mean, I know he says, yeah, the bad ones always come back, but it's I you know, there could have been a more open acknowledgement of like yeah, you know, I'm going to be helping a lot of innocent people, but I'm also going to be helping a lot of not so innocent people. But that's right. that's not my it's not my job to determine the morality of who who can live and who can't. Yeah, you know? I mean, just anything to complicate that decision even just a little bit, what I think would have gone a long way. Yeah, but it still was. I feel like one of the stronger Spider-Man moments we've gotten. Agreed, and it was certainly more earned, like as a moment than like. Peter declaring himself a leader in Spider-Verse. Right. And then getting caressed gently by Candlelight. Oh, jeez. I try to forget that all the time. Oh, God. Never forget. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, there's this kind of small beat in this that doesn't get followed up on is the lizard, like, shooing his family out of there, saying, I have a cure for this, but there's only just enough for us. Uh, yeah. Do you imagine that he's going to turn them into lizard people? Is that is that your takeaway from this? No, I didn't really think about that, but that that makes sense. I I, I bet you because it sounds like the Omega issue is going to focus on Rhino and Alexia, uh, uh, not Alexia, uh, Oksana. Maybe we're going to get something to the lizard there too, because I kind of feel like those little tertiary <laughs> stories are are probably going to um, get a little more of a payoff, but maybe not. I, I've been wrong. Yeah, <laughs> Stories I mean, have gone unresolved. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a moment earlier in the series where the lizard had like his own vial that he had created of some kind of lizard serum, right? I mean, yeah, right. Uh, so I think that that's we're gonna like not only are Billy and Martha Connors back now, they have to be lizard people. You know, <laughs> they, can eat, the they can eat. They can eat each other. 
because that's what we need are more lizard stories. Right. I don't know. I'm <laughs> not a huge fan. I'm not going to lie. Um, um, I, Jim I, Chung, Jim Chung comments, anything? Uh, loved, loved him. Actually got to meet him over the weekend um, oh, at, at the convention I was at and told him that I really loved his work in this issue. Uh, from my mind, the big standout image is the, the big like red infused image of people just kind of melting and breaking down. Um, yes. Like this was very, I mean, we're not talking crisis of the infinite earth's level of detail, but just a lot of very busy yet beautiful pages and spreads uh, by Chung here. I mean, you know, I would certainly say, and I think I said this last time around too, that of, of, of the kind of the guest artists that, that we've had on these books over the last few years, he's definitely, I felt like the most payoff has been with, with his work here. Well, yeah, and he also finished the story, you know? Yes. uh, I think Koi Pell was really strong, but, like, he disappeared so early in that series. Yeah, Um, but there was still an element where even even in some of the Koi Pell issues where it was just character standing in in barren-looking surroundings, whereas this, this, like— Especially the last two issues. I mean, I, 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 the word I keep coming back to is like urgency, um, and I feel that Chung really sold it with his artwork. And you know, I kind of liked how it was a recent episode where you were talking about the artwork kind of serving. You know, the art, the art is the director of the movie kind of a thing. And and like, I don't know, all of the tension of this of this series. I feel was greatly enhanced by how Chung did these pages. Um, I, and I think with a lesser artist, um, that urgency would not have been felt. And, and I think our overall opinions of the story would be lesser because there still are some glaring moments when it comes to character and narrative and whatnot. So to kind of have that push and that tension and, you know, from the artwork, the way it's been in these issues is, has been a delight. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I think he's supported by a really solid inking and coloring team. And, um, uh, it, it, yeah, this book has always been fun to look at, even if it's not supported by the kind of work. Uh, if I could be honest, when I talked to Jim Chung, he, we, I told him about our show, and he was like, oh, what are you guys thinking of the clone conspiracy? And he had already <laughs> told me that he was not available to do an interview with us. Right. Uh, so I was like, well, I'll just be honest, you know, yeah. uh, and I said, you know, we're, we're really digging your work, but we're, we're not loving the writing in it. And he was like, huh, well, okay. You know, like, you know, <laughs> well, I, no, definitely never coming on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I mean, look, uh, you know, if that's, if that's the way it is, you know, uh, no, I know, I know. No, uh, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. Uh, if he <laughs> well, wants to I... hear what I think he can listen to the show every week, you know, uh, well, I, I think even in going back to our interview with with Kamen Coley, I mean, I mentioned that to him that we really liked his artwork on Goblin Nation, but you know, we were kind of this and that with the actual story itself, and he seemed to understand. But he was also in like Argentina, so maybe he didn't hear me. Right, <laughs> conducting the interview, uh, uh, just guessing what we're asking him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, what what are we saying about this story overall? Like. Where does this uh, fit for us? I mean, I don't think it was bad. Um, like, you know, if we're if we're gonna use like kind of like common, you know, for for fair comparisons, I mean, talk about like big events of the modern era, the slot era. 
I mean, you know, Spider Island to me is still kind of the best of the events. Um, and I would consider Spider-Verse like the low point. I consider Ends of the Earth the low point, I think. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but I, I don't know. There was something about Spider-Verse that just have offended my sensibility so much more than Ends of the Earth. All right, um, all right, all right. Um, so, I mean, I, I but I would, I mean, it, I would certainly put this above both of those stories. I mean, I would probably put it on the level of Goblin Nation because, I mean, when we when we talked about Goblin, you know, if you think back, we liked Goblin Nation through the first three or four chapters. It was the last two where it fell apart. Yeah. And even then, like the, the penultimate chapter, I I initially didn't have a problem with it because I was like, oh, no, no, trust me. The way this book has been going, that last chapter is going to pay everything off in such a great way. And then I was like, oh, wow, no, it didn't. And now it makes <laughs> makes that penultimate chapter look a lot weaker in comparison. So, um, you know, that's I think that was like that was the moment where I was like, we're disagreeing, but I feel like I feel like we're all going to come around in, in a month. No. That's where we broke as podcasters. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just also remember getting like comments from other people on that too. Like, how could you have liked that? I'm like, because something good's coming. I promise. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you like feel like Nate Silver in like late October. <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna be okay, <laughs> maybe. I think I'm seventy five percent sure it's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm right there with you on on this story. It's like for me, it's like mid range kind of thing. Like t- Spider Island is far away the better story than all these, you know. Yes. Even if this is second place to that, um, uh, I think there's a lot of cool stuff in here. But I I think it doesn't. Uh, I think the Ben Riley thing is problematic to say the least, and um, and I think. It doesn't really explore its central idea very well, like the whole idea of what would it mean for Spider-Man to stop death and and whether or not that's a good thing. Um, and I think that's all tied into how Ben Riley is portrayed. But I think there's enough interesting stuff here and cool utilizations of the Spider-Man mythos to make this worth checking out. Right. All right. Well, let's, what's your grade on this specific issue? Yeah, I'm going to give this one a B. It's a solid B. I'm right there with you. B for me, too. Look at us agreeing. All right. Well, Dan, why don't we get to some comments and emails? Sure. Spider, Yes, everybody. Of course, uh, we here at Amazing Spider Talk, we we welcome your feedback. We desire your feedback. We're requesting your feedback. I mean, can, can, can I say feedback any more than what I'm saying right now, Dan? Feedback. You should find some way to create feedback in your microphone just to just to underline your point. Ooh, sibilance, sibilance. Uh, no, so seriously, guys, um, we 
leave us a comment on iTunes, on Stitcher, on YouTube, on Google Play. Uh, give us a rating. That's how we grow as a community. Uh, I'm glad to see in this episode we actually have some ratings from iTunes. Thank goodness. Uh, we'll read them on the air, even if they're mediocre three-star reviews and that we will never let you forget for writing. Uh, we still read them on the air. Um, and then you could also email us directly at uh, AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com if you got a question or a comment about the show uh you can tweet at us and just hashtag it okay to print um and oh of course you can call nine red goblin uh our, our great phone line although i don't think we got any voicemails this week did we dan we've got gotten a voicemail in a little while so yeah all right if you want to if it's easier for you to call and ask us a question do that yeah if you've already left us con- like ratings on these other services even the three star ones Call Nine Red Goblin and let us know what a bunch of hacks we are that way. Yeah, perfect. That sounds exactly like what we want. <laughs> um, but let me read the first comment here on on iTunes. It's from J Rod, nineteen ninety eight. If that's his birth year, Dan, I'm gonna feel really old. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, J- He's old J-Rod. enough to smoke. Uh, that's true. Oh, God. Uh, uh, J-Rod writes, amazing, five out of five stars. Great Spider-Man from two fans who seem to know everything about the character. I definitely recommend this to any Spider-Man fan. Uh, I don't know if we know everything, Dan. Like, we we forget things all the time. But, um, you well, know. Well, he says could... seem to know. So, like, that's... at least we're putting up appearances. That's true. And of course, you know, when we do forget things, we love to hear you criticize us on AmazingSpireTalk at gmail.com or on Twitter. We get those all the time. It's great. I love it. I love to remember when I forget a character's name or, you know, you're saying the name wrong. It's not Sanjani, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we got another one from TPete202. I wonder if he was born in the year 202. Ooh. So that's a that's a great year to be born in. It makes me feel young. Well, uh, he you says go. he says great podcast five out of five. Uh, this is exactly what you want in a podcast. Two smart guys who really care about the topic, who are funny without trying to be comedians. If you like Spider Man, this is a must listen. Funny without trying to be comedians. Has, has he been listening to the swarm bits? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I skipped those episodes. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. Uh, some people maybe are offended by Swarm and our weird sense of humor, um, but uh, nevertheless, hey, Swarm yeah. continues. Hey, elections have consequences, Dan, and when you elect a Nazi fascist to be a beef show host, you get everything that comes with it. That, that makes a lot of sense. So we got an email here, Mark, from uh, Jared Weeks. Uh, what does Jared have to say? Oh, yeah. Well, Jared is a big fan of the show, which we thank him for. And he's listened to all of our episodes in about three months. So, I mean, the ultimate binge listening. Uh, I love I love when people tell us about how they plow through our shows. That's Um, literally almost two episodes a day. That's fantastic. Um, He's been into Spider-Man since he was a little kid, collecting comics for about six years. He actually started collecting Batman um, and reading Spider-Man his sophomore year of high school. So uh, one of his questions for us is, um, besides Spider-Man, what other books do we read? Um, You know, I think we've talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, Dan, personally, I mean, in terms of uh, pull books, I mean, I get the Spider-Family books and then I I pull um, Batman and All-Star Batman. And then I, I like to read a lot of image books via trade paperback. Um, and then I also read a lot of Marvel books via Marvel Unlimited. Um, so Marvel Unlimited kind of just 
lets me jump around and give a couple of series a try. I recently read the first six issues of the new vision series, which I thought was really good. Um, I also read the first few, uh, batch of issues of the Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther, which I was kind of this way and that with, and also um, Hellcat, which I did not like. Uh, and I referred to her as Patsy Klein, which is not the character's name at all. It's Patsy Walker. <laughs> Speaking of things that I got corrected for, that that was like busted on me on Twitter for about two days. You said Patsy Klein. I guess. Well, I'm not deleting the tweet, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Never! Um, but certainly with image, I mean, like I, I, I mean, I read saga and I read, um, Lazarus and I read, um, I just finished the first paperback of the fix with friends of the show, uh, Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. I, I love it was that book. Freaking great. Yeah. Um, I got a whole stack of other trades sitting on my bookshelf right now that I got to dive into. Uh, Dan, what do you read? I read way too much. Um, I'm going <laughs> to be honest. I uh, Yeah, like you, I pull all the Spider-Man books, and I also pull a bunch of DC Rebirth titles. Um, I've been really enjoying Superman. Um, I think that book was really great. Um, it's not as hot as when it first started, but I thought it was some of the best superhero comics I've read in a while. Um, uh, and I read uh, both Batman books like you, Mark, and um, I was reading Cyber- Cyborg. Um, which is written by a friend of the show, John Semper Jr. Um, and that was an interesting kind of seeing his first dabble into comics. Um, and I don't really know anything about Cyborg, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, so I've been reading a bunch of DC titles. Um, and like you, I read a lot of Image stuff and um, other publishers. I've really been enjoying Dark Horse's Black Hammer, um, mm. which, I mean, anything that says Jeff Lemire on the cover, I pretty much just replace those words with excellent. And yes. I'll read that book. Um, so you read Descender, I'm assuming. Yeah, I do. And I, I like Descender. It's not my favorite of his series, but um, I recently have been rereading through everything he's written. Um, you know, I, I, I finished um, – uh, oh, my God. Why am I forgetting it right now? Um, the Kid with Antlers. Uh, oh, right. Oh, my God. I'm totally blanking on this book. Well, anyway – um, I've been reading I, – so I have about like three and a half hours of commuting every day to my work and back depending right. on the traffic in L.A. And uh, so I go to the library in the morning and grab several graphic novels and just read them on the train when I can. Um, so I've been kind of plowing through like dozens and dozens of things. But I love – Low, I think that's a great series. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's just so so much to read um, for me to tell you what it is. I, I go to conventions and buy a ton of books, so um, I've been reading a lot of great um, indie stuff. And then I also read Comic Blitz, which is this like Marvel Unlimited uh, like type platform for everything that's not Marvel, Image, or DC. And um, I read, like, all the other publishers there. And then I also read every single book that Marvel puts out on Marvel Unlimited, um, which is exhausting. But uh, (laughs) it's been great to kind of get a lay of the land of what's going on in modern Marvel. Um, And uh, I made a bunch of recommendations to you just this week, Mark. Yeah, and I'm 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 working on getting through those right now. Um, you know, I'm probably going to start with uh, Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange. That was that I was kind of on my book. list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of mesmerized by you talking about 
both traffic and being on a train. I mean, L.A. commuting, this continues to astound me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I live in the exact opposite place from where I work. So it's just it's just kind of baffling. But, you know, yeah. you, you kind of you do what you can with it. There you go. So if you have so. any recommendations for books, I'd love to hear it because I'll read it for sure. Yeah, and uh, and also, I mean, in terms of like both trades and stuff like that and on um, – and regular books, you know, fiction and nonfiction, um, you can find a lot of what I'm reading on Goodreads. I, I use that that um that service through Amazon. So, you know, you can like befriend me over there and you can see what I'm reading and what I think about it. I'm the same way. That's a great place to follow what I'm reading too. Cool. All right. Well, um were we gonna answer anything else? No. <laughs> well, well, Jared, thanks for writing in the question. It was a good question, and um, I don't know that I had a very concise answer, but I read a lot. Yes, that's the that's the moral of the story. We read a lot, and if you want to hear more, like I said, go to Goodreads or you know talk to us on Twitter, and we can give you recommendations or you know you, or if you are about to read something, we can tell you if we've read it or not. So perfect, um, Dan. Speaking of long-winded things, why don't you tell us about what is going on at the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club? Mark, we've always got so much going on over at the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. That, of course, is our Patreon support group that helps keep the show going. You can sign up and you'll get all kinds of awesome things in the mail from bumper stickers to comics to T-shirts to backpacks, etc. And we also do biweekly giveaways on the show. And last episode we teased... We would be giving away a copy of the Renew Your Vows trade paperback, and uh, we've got a winner. Um, this winner got this book because they just signed up, and then I randomly chose them. So uh, <laughs> that's how that works. That's that's great. And I'm not so, playing favorites, I'll say. I use a random number generator and then just, boop, give it to a bunch of people. So – uh, this week's winner is Chris Stokes. So congratulations, Chris. Keep an eye on the mail, and you'll get your copy of Renew Your Vows uh, just sent right to you. So keep an eye out for that. Um, if you'd like to help support the show, please go to our websites and click on the support, the amazing Spider Talk buttons, or the friendly neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club button. God, I couldn't even say that. <laughs> um, and uh, you'll, you can help us support the show and get all kinds of awesome prizes in return. Isn't that right, Mark? Oh, yeah. This just If you can say the full name, you win a prize. No, no, I don't want to do any false advertising. Is but... it the kind of thing where you say the name three times in the mirror and, it, and, <laughs> and you just start getting things in the mail? You say the name three times in the mirror and your soul dies a little. Uh, and <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's the trick. I can promise that. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, congratulations, Chris, on your uh, on Renew Your Vows trade. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited to say Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. 
All right, let's get to our next review of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 4, number 24. What's new? All right, Dan. Well, if you thought the story was over with Clone Conspiracy number five, I got news for you, buddy. We got kind of an epilogue issue of sorts where we get the true resolution of what happened to Doc Ock and Ben Riley, uh, or the character who is pretending to be Ben Riley. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and, and, and Miles Warren as well. And Miles Warren as well. The real Miles Warren, I guess, or or maybe just a more advanced clone, because uh, Miles Warren is always around. Um, Dan, so, um, you know, kind of in the same vein of what we said earlier in this episode about these events and how they conclude, you know, even in the events that I like, the epilogue issues are always kind of like, eh. For me, you know, like I, I like even like like I like Spider Island's epilogue to a degree, but like outside of like the Carly Cooper, um, Peter breakup, it just kind of felt like both a recap and then like Dan Slot starting to drop drop little hints for his next wave of stories. Um, and I, I couldn't even remember what exactly happened in the epilogue of Spider Verse outside of like Secret Scrolls and Magic Crystals. I was kind of disappointed to see you drop shade on uh, Spider Island's epilogue because I happened to really like that issue. I don't know. I just kind of felt that um, it repeated too many beats. Like, um, you know, you have that last – and it was – you know, it's I, – I don't want to throw shade on it because it's a beautiful image. But that last image of like Peter and MJ looking up at the Empire State Building but then – um, you kind of had that scene one issue earlier of them on top of the Empire State Building kind of having their moment. Um, and like I just kind of felt repeating it, it kind of just cheapened the the emotion of the previous issue. But the, we can we can we can argue about that another day. Yeah, uh, absolutely. but um, so <laughs> I don't know if this issue of ASM bucks the trend. Um, we certainly get explanations and resolutions we also get the first few pages are like hardcore recapping which like i gotta tell you dan when i was reading this for the first time last week i was like oh come on we gotta move past these recaps right i mean i think i think that is i'm gonna say i like this issue a lot more than you did um at least i i I think uh as i read your opinion um but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that plagues all these books is the baffling editorial decision to split this title up um, from Clone Conspiracy and not just have it be like a solid eight issue arc instead of this like bloated 10 plus issue thing. Um, yeah, I mean, like in terms of the recaps and, and whatnot, I mean, I guess my attitude is like if if you could actually – functionally read only amazing spider-man to get the gist of what happened in clone conspiracy then i could see maybe recapping a little bit which a lot of people are seemingly doing because the amazing spider-man book is outselling clone conspiracy by a considerable margin which just demonstrates what a major f up if i may uh this this the marketing of this story has been right like the clone conspiracy has clearly been like if anything i feel like you could read clone conspiracy without really needing to read Amazing Spider-Man the last five months. Like, Clone Conspiracies, where the real thrust of the story has been, whereas Amazing is just kind of filled in 
little little gaps and accents to this story um with this being no different but uh we get very little peter and spider-man himself in this book this is really truly ben otto and miles warren's story um, you know, the, the, the original Miles Warren kind of makes a getaway, uh, to, to lure, uh, Ben Riley out to kill him for good, I guess. Um, but you know, I, I guess the first big moment is what exactly happened between Otto and Ben. Um, we really didn't talk about this as much in the earlier review, but there was kind of a theory going around, which I thought was a very solid logical theory that, you know, because when the two were fighting in clone conspiracy, we didn't see the bodies, you know, the old kingpin adage from born again. There was no there is no corpse um, that maybe Otto had finally succeeded in getting his hands on Peter's body again. But this time it was via Ben Riley, the Peter's clone, and that maybe this new Scarlet Spider book that's coming out in a couple of months would be like a superior Scarlet Spider, right? Did, did that? Did you kind of think that might be where this was headed, Dan? That's absolutely what I thought before even reading anything online. I just at the end of the book, I was like, I think I texted you, Ben Riley is going to be the superior Spider Man. It'll be Ben Riley's body with Otto's brain, and or they'll fight in the brain like we got during Superior, and that'll be. What this new series is, especially because the new series, the description of it is like about how conflicted he is on whether he wants to do good or evil or whatever. And it's like that sounds like Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, um, it, it it does. Um, but alas, that's that's not what happened here. And, you know, I, 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 I hate to I hate to try and get into the head of the people who are writing these comics. But like, you know, it does make me wonder if, you know, Slot via Christos Gage, who did the scripting again on this book, I mean, was kind of knowing that that knowing that that was how things were set up in the last issue rather than following through to kind of give us yet another surprise. He kind of zigzagged a little bit. And no, I mean, the Ben Riley we're getting is the Ben Riley from this storyline, whereas Otto has found yet another body. And we don't we didn't see who that body was. Right. I mean, are we are we led to believe it's a clone of Peter or are we led to believe it could be any clone? I mean, it looked very like ambiguous, like any, yeah, any I, clone kind of thing. I mean, I imagine he'll just come back in better shape as a kind of like younger guy like that. Yeah, that was definitely. My guess. I, w- I would tend to agree, um, but I guess maybe that's going to be part of the mystery because I was even looking because, you know, slot slot books these days for the last few years at least have been very – there's always that emphasis like when you can't see the character's face, if they're obscuring the face, he's trying to pull – you know, he's trying to pull a surprise, a sec- you know, a mystery villain element uh, and, you know, when you look at the, at the visuals of the um, – this body that Otto sneaks into here, there's definitely like, like there's like smoke covering the, the facial features and like, you know, they only show things in profile and things like that. Like there's definitely a concerted effort through, uh, Giuseppe Camacoli's artwork here to obscure who this body belongs to. So clearly got the slick back hair of like the superior era, Peter. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it would make some sense that it would be a Peter body. Um, yeah. But how but, many Peters are we going to have running around? Right. But, I mean, you know, in terms of how even Clone Conspiracy ended with all these other bodies kind of suspended in animation that were, if we thought were dead, that weren't dead, it really could be anybody. Right. 
Um, and, and I have a feeling that's what we're going to get is, is, um, you know, Mason Banks. Well, I'm thinking more like, you know, there's a character hanging out at Parker industries or whatever. And then it turns out it's Otto, you know, and he's going to sabotage from within or try and woo Anna Maria or something. You know what I mean? We haven't seen that plot before. No, we haven't. It's totally new and exciting and great. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, I guess it just depends on how you feel. Slot has consistently pulled off these mystery villain angles. I mean, I kind of feel he's... You know, oh for two right now in that regard um, with Ben Riley and Mason Banks, uh, <laughs> but um, you know it seems like we're going to have another. I also feel that this definitely lays the groundwork for a future Superior Spider-Man series, right? I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. Like the toys are out. The toys are out there. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying this is imminent. I'm not saying this is going to happen this year or you know next two years, but like. You know, the toys are out there and and kind of like, yeah, and, and, and hey, it behooves Marvel to be able to kind of pull these things out of the box whenever they can. Um, but like, I don't know, the way they've been churning out Spider Family content over the last couple of years, it, it would shock me if we did not get this book at some point in the near future. I agree. Yeah, Mark, I definitely see that character moving forward. I would not be surprised by a superior Spider-Man story, but I would kind of hope that they would take a couple years away from this and give it some space. Um, I I agree certainly with that timeline, but, you know, at the rate that we're getting books these days, who knows? Although we, I mean, we're losing books at the rate that we're getting books, but... You know, there's still you can still count at least nine books, I think, related to the spider office right now, uh, you know, in terms of alternate Spider-Man running around. So uh, (laughs) so so maybe not. I don't know. We'll we'll, we will see, Um, you know, the fight, the fight itself. I mean, I I, I do think um, it was much more dynamic and dramatic in um, Clone Conspiracy. I mean, again, you talked about like that melt with me line from clone conspiracy whereas you know here i kind of felt like it was like hackneyed auto again you know the was the die is cast oh can we retire that line i you know it's it's like they keep going back to it because you know it's like peter's cell phone playing pop tunes it's it's a joke that they love to keep going back to about how auto is this kind of crackpot two-dimensional villain and it's almost like they're doing themselves a disservice by going back to that well over and over but that's what we got you know and then, but, but, it, but, you know, I think the bigger story that come out of this besides Otto's kind of resolution is, you know, Ben, Ben escapes and, and is trying to track down Webware to kind of save his, save his hide. And this character who, you know, basically we're under the understanding that this character by the end of this issue is going to be preserved in some fashion for his own series. And he's still acting like a lunatic, Right. I mean, like, there's nothing about this character that makes me want to read about him. This is where I'll push back on you a little bit, is because I okay. think he's very differently written in this issue um, okay. than he is in previous issues. He here is mainly about his own survival, and he, when he goes and fights the Jackal later in the book, he specifically reiterates several times that his whole goal was to reshape the Jackal's legacy 
from like death and cloning to basically preventing death and and making amends. And that's the interesting character that I wanted to read about. And I like that by the end of the issue, he kind of has this revelation. He says, like, I'm done being a hero. It hasn't gotten me anything. And I think that's the interesting story arc for this character, what it should have been, instead of him turning into a cackling villain, is that he continues to think that he's doing good um, by sticking with his I'm going to end death thing and isn't rewarded for it and only sees his work literally go up in flames, you know. Um, I liked all of that stuff and, and his proclamation by the end, but I think this issue is only, un, like, you know, undone by what Dan Slott was doing in the clone conspiracy issues with the character. Okay, I see what you're saying. I mean, I still just feel that they're, they're – the, the nuance and shades of gray just don't translate well to me. They don't translate as well off the page for me. I mean, like, I, I, I see what you're saying about kind of what he's trying to do and what his, what his role is. But, like, I, I – I, you know, and then, you know, just to kind of add to my befuddlement with it, you know, someone was – on on superiorspytalk.com in the review that I wrote, like they were even joking, like, oh, you know, it's 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 the dark, uh, disappointed clone of Peter, you know, going off on his own on like a, you know the uh, an army of one, you know, kind of going undercover. Didn't we see this in 2011, 2012 with the Kane Scarlet Spider series? And you know, I would argue that I felt more compelled to read about Kane back then because, like, you know, he kind of had his moment in Spider Island, but, like, acknowledged, like, yeah, but my future is not here. I got to do my own thing because I'm not I'm not a traditional hero, whereas I don't feel that 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 we've seen that arc with Ben and then P.S. They're just repeating the arc anyway. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that completely. Um, I mean, I, I don't know who this character is and what differentiates him from Kane. Um, in, 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 in that regard. Um, but I do think that like the way this is written by Gage is very similar to what he wrote during the, like his like rebirth issue, a few issues back. And, and that's the version of this character that I find compelling. Um, I love like the moment with him in the Jackal where he's like, Oh, you don't even care about Peter Parker anymore. This is literally about me now. You know, um, and I thought that was really interesting. I, I just think there's a lot of interesting things with the character in the story, not necessarily where he ends up, but um, it seems like a more natural extension of what the character was meant to be that was lost in, in translation in the, in the, I guess, more main series. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, I. I'm not going to push back on you too much on that. Day. I mean, I mean, if this was the dramatic conclusion of of the arc that I just laid out with him, you know, destroying this house and, you know, bringing it down on the jackal, like, I think that's really interesting. Like Ben finally, you know, uh, getting revenge on his creator for all, the, you know, his wrongs, and you know, right. decide, like that's really interesting to me. It's just but not. Feel- in, it's only not right. interesting because the character was so assassinated in the other book. Yeah, but but and and again, not to keep repeating, but like, kind of th- these are the actions of Cain, not Ben. You know, like it's right. it's like I would expect Cain to burn the house down around the jackal, but and and 
to his you know, credit, I, he didn't set it on fire. That's yeah, oh, no, I know, I know, but I just mean that like it it makes me go back to the very beginning and go, why did we bring back Ben Riley for to turn the character in a direction that you know you kind of had fulfilled by other characters, you know? Like, right, right, right. Have have the reveal be it's Kane behind all this kind of thing. Yeah, perhaps. Kane could have been the man in red. I think that we even kind of very, very early on threw that as a possibility, right? Well, yeah. I mean the Scarlet Spider thing and, and the fact that Ben was not to be brought back. Yeah, I think I think certainly it yeah. was a speculation, yeah. Yeah, and I think my attitude was like, ah, oh, yeah, but they just went through all this work to kind of make Kane an, a, a, a pseudo-hero and, you know, to kind of make him go heel turn seems – um, counterproductive to me, but I, I, again, like, but that's the thing. Ben, ben, ben should have been a pseudo hero in this story. Right. And I mean, in, in a lot of ways, like I feel like over the last decade or so, Kane became what Ben was like the kind of the brother from another clone chamber. Uh, and, and Ben became what Kane was during the clone saga, kind of like this dark twisted failed experiment, but that's not the story that they're, they, no one has really ever tried to tell if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Just because it worked out that way. I don't know if that makes it the right kind of story because no one is, was trying to tell that story. <laughs> like I think it happened by accident. <laughs> right. I, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, my, uh, again, my, my only positive is that like, this is the version of the character that I thought we were going to get and would have been more interesting. Uh, you know, like, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, if you, it, if you read all this stuff in a row, like I, I'm actually like intending on going back and rereading the clone conspiracy again, Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it'll be like reading, like just having like whiplash every issue, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we read it spaced out enough that maybe it smooths itself out a little bit. But like I can't imagine reading this thing as, as like a whole book. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, one other thing I think I want to talk about, Ben, is that like this issue doubles down on, on the, my confusion from last issue is that like – Ben is dying. He tries to get into the body, and Otto, like, somehow is able to electrocute him. Um, like, he booby-trapped it for some reason. Um, yeah. And so Ben runs outside to find Webware, and I like the idea of him kind of, like, breathing in the signal. It's kind of a weird image. And if I'm to understand it, like, the Webware totally cures the clone degeneration, Correct. Which is why, like, this zombie thing is kind of over. You know, like, whoever died, died. Even though that doesn't make a lot of sense because uh, (laughs) they were supposed to turn into zombies, not dust. Like, that was the whole, like, fear, the threat of this series is that they would turn into zombies. Not that Mm -hmm. they would just, like, disintegrate. Um, But anyway, let's just say they disintegrate. So Ben gets healed by this, but then he is still seeking out his pills and stuff. Right, the jackal lights it all on fire. You know, like, is Ben gonna have to use pills? And then why? Why would he have to use pills if he's already been healed? Yeah, well, this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier with rules. What are the rules? I don't think they're consistent in any way, shape, or form. So it's kind of hard to really land on something here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is Ben gonna be degenerating throughout? Did he not get enough webware signal? I mean, like, the whole thing is is kind of baffling. Yeah. Um, agreed. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's also like, you know, Otto is kind of playing like 12 moves ahead and it kind of stretches the the limits of, um, of suspension of disbelief. Cause you're like, Oh really? He just so happened to kind of like have everything laid out just so in this scenario, you know, like it, it's like, Oh really? You, 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 you thought about this. Okay. <laughs> like, like you were smart, but never that smart camo. I liked camo's art a lot, especially in that last sequence with the, in the house with the jackal. Yeah, in my mind, he went like full-blown Sal Buscema. Um, I don't know if you remember the particular image, but there's an image of like the jackal screaming. And he's got that like classic Sal Buscema Green Goblin like saliva yeah. connecting his teeth kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And like that kind of narrow face, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, man, that's creepy. That's That looks like a Sal Buscema uh, uh, like, you know, Spider-Man or, or Green Goblin and uh, – yeah, I thought that was a really moody, effective uh, c- scene, and and that final image of of Ben. No matter how we feel about the story, with the kind of all the different versions of the character, I thought yes. it was really a uh, beautiful kind of final splash page. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel this was probably Camo's strongest issue of this run. Um, you know, there, there were still some things like like earlier in this in the issue where. Where like, you know, we're getting like the sense of decaying and panic and all that. And like, especially compared to what Chung was doing in Clone Conspiracy, I just felt like it was missing a little bit of this of the pop to it, for lack of a better word. But um I feel like once we kind of got into the second half of this book, um Kamo really settled in and and like that that really strong version of of him as that we were seeing over the years kind of evolve we got to see that again which was good i liked his kind of like full page to be or not to be miles warren grabbing the jackal uh mask i thought that was a a fun image yeah and it it plays off like some very early jackal stuff from even like the conway jerry conway ross andrew era of the character too i mean like I, i i will say and I mean this as a positive, like this whole storyline in both it store in both comics that it's been in has really done a good job of kind of playing off like earlier themes and ideas and visuals from um, these characters. Um, and that's kind of I, I, I always get a kick out of that. You know, it's not like I don't feel like it pays homage. I don't think we're we're blatantly trying to rip it off or or, or utilize like heat from better stories to to kind of push this one forward i think like they just do a really good job paying homage to to some of these classic moments yeah, i really like common coley's jackal and how he you know he kind of it goes back to being like a kind of crouchy kind of creepy villain and, yes uh, even when the house is falling down around him like the way he kind of crawls through the wreckage is kind of creepy yeah definitely um it's it, you know maybe it's funny i i feel like i was almost too kind to this comic in the review and then like as i was writing down my notes you know for this episode i was like ah, i i was too good to it and now talking to you i'm like ah, maybe my original theory was okay with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i don't i I'm don't wave, dislike I'm a wave this of one. emotions i'm a wave of emotions <laughs> i think this would be a really potent like final issue to a series if the rest of the series had actually built the characters this way. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, do you want to give it a grade? Yeah. I'm going to give it a B minus. I'm going to give it a C plus. So I'm like, a, uh, you, 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 you argued me up a couple of notches. Dan. All right. Uh, all right. I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. And that kind of, that's, I mean, I gave it a 6.5 on the site. I think that's a C plus is kind of like the, the, 
alpha numerical equivalent, right? We really <laughs> ought to merge these grading scales. I, I do think so. I, 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 I will split it to you like this. When I give something a 7.5, I view that as a B score. That makes sense. And, and like a 8.5 is like A minus and, you know, nine or over nine or over is A or A plus. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So I'm just, you know, because we got to talk about this crap. How many A plus books have we had on this? What, uh, Superior nine? Superior nine. I always liked, and I know this was controversial. I liked that prelude issue to Goblin Nation that actually had like the three artists in it. Oh, I really dug that one too. I think that got yeah. like an A or an A plus from me. Yeah, I I I I gave that an A too. Um, and um, yeah, that 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 might be. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, anyway. For, for the positive show that we are, it's it's been a rough it's been a rough while. But anyway, uh well, there do- were lots of B pluses yeah. in the superior run. And I feel like, you know, in today's day and age, a B plus is a good grade for a comic. Agreed. Agreed. Well let's take this whole thing home, Mark. It's been a long episode. You bet. All right. You can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcast at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. Additionally, uh, be sure to check out our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin. If you want to keep up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy as those characters continue to truck on in their crossover right now. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget to check out the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club to help support our show. Mark, next week we'll be talking to a very special guest. Who do we have stopping by the show and what should readers read to prepare for that yeah well fingers are crossed dan because you know like everything else in the world it's never quite final until we get the person at their computer and talking into the microphone but uh we we are hoping to get sean mckeever on who uh was the writer of the late 2000 series spider-man loves mary jane uh, it was kind of a young adult series, but um, the the series we've I think we've referred to this a few times on the show actually is um, uh, was kind of cited as a potential source for the upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming movie. Uh, so you know we'll we'll talk to Sean a little bit about how he got his book going back in the day and and maybe try and find out. Uh, what role he's playing in the uh, upcoming movie? I'm sure if it's if it's a big role, he won't be able to say much. But um, maybe in terms of any kind of consultation or just his general thoughts on the fact that this book is being cited as a, as a potential resource for the for the filmmakers. Yeah, that's great. I recently reread that series and it was really fun. And it's all on Marvel Unlimited, so if you have that service, you can go and check it out. Um, I think if you skipped it, it's definitely one you're going to enjoy checking out. Yeah, I mean, I could I could speak very personally on that, Dan. I mean, like I I definitely bypassed it when it originally came out because uh, I kind of disregarded it as like a young adult. It doesn't count kind of book uh, in terms of not counting in continuity. But um, in reading it, it's actually very charming. Um, and it's mostly from Mary Jane's perspective, and um, it's an interesting take on a book. Yeah, absolutely agreed. So, uh, Mark. Where can uh, the listeners find you on the internet this week? 
Uh, yeah, well, of course, you could always find me on Twitter at Chasing ASM Blog, and you can find my work on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Um, Dan, uh, surprise to you, but I will have a, a part two of there in Brock again this week up um, about looking at Mac Gargan and Scorpion Venom. Um, and, you know, uh, keep an eye on ChasingAmazingBlog.com because I'm, I'm kind of feeling itchy about maybe putting a couple things up there in the near future. And, uh, of course, pre-order my book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die from Triumph Publishing. Uh, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, at Triumph Publishing's website. Uh, I highly recommend you guys pre-order it. And like always, there's a link to it on our front page, so you can get right to picking up that book. I can't wait to read it, Mark. Oh, you 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 will love it, Dan. I Great. promise. Uh, Dan, where can we find you? I think it's safe to say I'm the target audience for your book. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me online on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk, um, and that's where I talk on my Spider-Man things and uh, on uh, at Dan Gavazdin, which is my more personal account. Um, there's going to be a lot of things coming up on both um, because I have a big announcement that I hinted at earlier is that I'm creating my very first graphic novel of my own. So if you have liked anything I've ever said or talked about in terms of storytelling or comics, um, go on Facebook and look up uh, facebook.com slash Comic Entropy, or you can just look up Entropy Comic on Facebook, and it should come up, and you can find uh, early work on my new graphic novel that I'm producing. I'm so excited about it, and I can't wait to tell you guys more about it as it develops. Yeah, that's super excited. So, you know, you, you've, been, you've been working in, co- in comics or kind of around comics for a while now, but now you're going to literally be in comics, which I think is just great. Yeah, um, and uh, you can go there and you can read a synopsis of of the story so far, a little teaser, and um, see some of our early artwork. And uh, yeah, I, I I figure it's time that I take all the stuff that I talk about so much and actually try to produce something my own. That way, another podcast can talk about my work and how bad it is. So, you know, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, don't there you think go. that way. So, <laughs> so we'll have to interview you about your comic when it comes out, right? And we'll be interviewing you about your book, and it will get there, really <laughs> narcissistic, nepotistic, all those gonna be, fine words. Our fans can't wait. I can already hear their excitement. They're like, bring on the navel-gazing. Woo! All right. <laughs> we're, 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 we're each going to be Poochie. When Poochie is not on, when, when Dan or Mark are not publishing their own work, we should still be talking about Dan and Mark. Exactly. So, anyway. uh, you know, Mark, uh, you like to go back to your, you know, home neighborhood all the time to check in on, on how the family is doing. But uh, I heard recently that there was this stranger who rebuilt a house identical to the one that you grew up in and then it burned down. Do you have any kind of like uh, information about what happened in this situation? Oh, uh, yeah, this, this was, this was totally weird. So like, you know, I mean, uncle Ben has kind of obviously died horrible deaths many times over. Um, so, um, you know, I was going out to visit just the old house the other day um, and, um, rather than, than go to my actual house, I, um, kind of was just driving around the neighborhood. And then like, I saw 
another it was almost like a clone of my house dan it was like a clone conspiracy uh but it was up in flames and you know being being the curious person that i was i was like i, I i'm gonna walk into that burning house that looks like my childhood house because what That's very if, curious what if my because uh, you know spoiler alert dan we've talked about this i keep my comic book collection at my old house where i grew up because i just don't have room for it here in my my brooklyn apartment so I was like, what if they cloned my comic book collection like and it's burning like I got to rescue it because then I would finally have backups for all my issues, which is like, you know, except for the annuals, because, you know, we don't count those. Um, but I could have like my own, you know, I keep I, mean, I keep my Amazing Spider-Man number one with me, Dan, like um, on my personage at all times. But like, you know, two, three, five, I, I need my you know, could you imagine having two copies of ASM three? I can, I, I'm just imagining you having two incomplete collections uh, at your disposal. Well, they would still be highly great collections, uh, even with annuals missing. Um, so um, I went into the house and I went and I kind of fought through the flames and there was like timber burning. And and uh, I was just like, you know, what is this nonsense? What is this? What is this fresh hell, Dan? But I, I got into my bedroom where I keep my comics and I, like out of the corner of my eye, I saw something crawling around. I was like, what is that? And and um, it was my Uncle Ben in like this green furry costume. But he didn't have a he didn't have a, 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 a face on or not a face on a, a mask on or anything. But like I'm like, Uncle Ben, what are you what are you what are you doing? And and then all of a sudden someone else was in the room with a furry costume and i was like oh god no i don't i don't need to see this and 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 i i I ran out screaming and in my in my terror of what what my uncle ben and this stranger were doing in furry costumes i didn't hear my uncle ben saying no you don't understand this is this is we're we're trying to get out of this burning house and you're leaving us here and i was like i i I can't listen to this I, i don't even know what my uncle ben is up to and i just drove far away from that house Dan, and you know if 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 my uncle Ben perished in it, you know so be it because I just can't support that because I'm very narrow-minded. Um, but I'm assuming <laughs> I'm assuming if he wasn't that narrow, if I you know maybe if he wasn't doing what I thought he was doing, or even if he was, because not that there's anything wrong with that, because you know I'm not narrow-minded. I, I shouldn't say that. Um, he would have said. With great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. I just want to establish that in this continuity that you've created, Uncle Ben is a furry. Yes, Dad.